Hey, 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 everybody. Today for you, podcast number 77. Today's podcast is titled, If the Only Option is a Lousy Option. Welcome to this week's edition of your weekly Limitless Life Network podcast. I'm Dr. Beat Lombardi, and this is the Limitless Life Network podcast where we flesh out the limitations that are preventing you from reaching your goals and living the life that you were called to lead. And of course, sitting next to me, I can't forget my beautiful wife, my lovely life. Lovely life. Lovely life with my <laughs> lovely wife, Sandy. Here she is. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> All right. So uh, a huge shout out to our uh, raving fans, the ones that tell me they've heard the podcast, listen to the podcast, like the podcast, like something about the podcast. And actually a shout out to uh, um, one of our great listeners right now, John, who actually brought me a book mm, called, right. a, called The Carnivore Code by Paul Saladino. And I'm totally... Uh, engrossed in reading that. I'm going to tear through that in no time, but uh, that has put me on to some other authors. And uh, so I've been digging down that road of of carnivore. So, oh, somebody asked me, Sandy, this is a fill-in here uh, off the cuff. You were going to post or, or at least uh, remark on like when you went off of carnivore, if you noticed any changes. Have you gone off of it? A little bit. Um <laughs> I I um had some fruit, mango, and an orange the other day, and honestly, I I attribute my grumpiness that evening to that. It's the only thing I can think of. Um, I think the sugar messed with me. Um, so yeah, I I do feel a lot more stable. Uh, uh, more energy for sure when I stick to straight carnivore. Yeah, I noticed the same thing. I actually I that I was grumpy. No, 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 no. Not that you were grumpy. <laughs> I I I was trying to figure out what day you were grumpy. I don't even know. Um, so I I it's funny because I found that I once I started eating carbohydrates, I have like no control. I was like yeah. I was like off the off the hook. I'm like, oh, I can eat Brussels sprouts. Let me just have like four servings of Brussels sprouts, mm -hmm. and the next thing you know, I'm feeling awful, like bloated, and uh, yeah, I, I immediately when I went off started to gain weight back. Well, and it's a challenge because it's things that we've thought or you know were good for us: Brussels sprouts, fruit. You know, it's not like we binged on cookies, but. Um, it's just, you know, it's sugar, sugar, carbohydrate, you know. I should, I should have probably went for the ice cream. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, I honestly I I I feel I've I've gone back to carnivore and I feel way better. Um energy levels better, everything's better. So I'm I, I don't see any point in the going thing off that we that. have definitely noticed though is like I would normally lean towards a leaner meat, so like I don't know, chicken or even fish, but we're not full when we eat that. Like 
if we eat a steak <laughs> with some fat on it, then we're full for right. a good period of time. Yeah. And it's satisfying. We're so, so that's yeah. we're still dialing that in. Yeah. Definitely don't it's it's weird when you when you consume animal fat and animal protein, it's it fills you up and it stays with you much, much longer. And you see you're not eating the same volume of food. So you're not just not used to it. So um, but that was just a, that's just a side note. That's nothing about what this podcast mm-hmm. is about today. But I just wanted to. I know somebody was wondering, you know, how what the response was if we went off of it. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I, the experts that I've been reading say they should that you should give it 90 days, and we only did like 32 days or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna stick with uh, just going with it because I just feel so much better with it. But anyway. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. That's first and foremost. Um, and like, follow, share, subscribe, whatever whatever you got to do to to help us uh, reach more people and to make this a more popular podcast because I think the content is, is useful, helpful, and uh, it's all with good uh, intention. So uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you so much. So um, on with the show. The title today is If the Only Option is a Lousy Option. And... Uh, I know both of us could kind of give the backstory on this, right? You know Rick better than I. Okay, so uh, last week I received a, a, a text message from my accountability group. It was a group message, and it was a video um, of, a, of a gentleman that we all uh, learned a lot of lessons from um, at, a, at a couple of seminars that we had gone to. And a great guy. His name's Rick Sapio, and you can Google him and look him up. Um, just a really awesome guy. But the long and the short of this uh, this video, it was really about him uh, getting sick last summer, and um, it was I believe it was in August. Mm-hmm. He went to the hospital uh, with jaundice and extreme pain, feeling absolutely lousy, and he got the diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. Yes. And it wasn't just pancreatic cancer, but it was the most deadly and the worst pancreatic cancer possible. And uh, he just was like really, really sick and just out of it, so to speak. And they said, well, we're going to start chemotherapy right now, today. And uh, because you're, this is going to kill you, is what they told him, and that this chemotherapy will just help prolong your life about two months, mm-hmm, two months, so that you can at least get your affairs in order and say say your goodbyes to your family. And Rick is a different guy. He's um, he just said, "I need some more options." And he, they said, no, "You don't understand." And and I gotta say, this is a caveat of mine. When somebody says to me that I don't understand, and you just told me that I'm gonna die of cancer, no, I think I understand. I think I understand what those words mean. Like, it's not like I'm not paying attention. Like, that's what I'm thinking to me. Like, mm-hmm. this guy's an intelligent man. Mm-hmm. He understands what you're saying. He's just not agreeing with what you're saying. And they said, no, you don't understand. This is the standard of care. You don't get a choice. And when he heard that, he said, no, I'm leaving. And, and he checked himself out of the hospital and basically left. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so... He describes his journey as to what he's gone through since then. And he has, uh, he's done just about everything. He listed off the things that he did. It was an exhaustive list. Mm -hmm. And um, he just recently spoke uh, this month in February 
at a conference about his journey. And that's really what this video was, was him describing his journey as what he's gone through. There's public access to that, right? Oh, yeah, it's can, on, it's okay. on, it's well, on, it's I'll on YouTube. I'll make sure I share that because it's powerful yeah. for you to listen to I, him. Speak. I think you should, yes. So, uh, but we're, we're going we're gonna to just kind of hit on some of the points as to what we learned from Rick uh, in his journey. And um, the title, I think, helps a lot. If the only option is a lousy option. Well, they said that was his only option, was that you have, you're going to die, you're going to live about two months with chemo, and he chose no thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he wanted, he wanted more options. Mm-hmm. And uh, so point number one is uh, time to change the standard. And I guess when you look at the standard of care, and it's an accepted standard of care that this is the best we can do for you, and it produces a lousy result... I think it's time to revisit what you're doing mm-hmm. and the standard of what that standard is. Because if that's the best you can do, then why even do it? Because it's not even it's not even really doing much good. Um, and I'm not giving people advice on what to do as far as if you're diagnosed with cancer. I think you should be your own judge and control your you know make your own decisions. Um, and I think you should you should you know learn from this gentleman um, something because I think he has a lot to share in that video that we're gonna obviously share with you. Um, go ahead. Sandy. Well, and I think one thing I took away I listened to his um, lecture, whatever share you want to say three times this morning is just there are more options. There's always a different option, right? Like he was being presented with one and that was presented as the only option he had. And and that Mm -hmm. wasn't acceptable to him. And I think that's a huge takeaway, no matter what it is in life, that there's always, always, always more options than the one that is in front of you. Yeah. I had this conversation yesterday with Dr. Uh, Tim in the office that oftentimes very intelligent people Based on what they've learned in science and physiology and anatomy and all the research that they've done, they become so certain and they're intelligent people that they oftentimes don't see another way because they've settled on that option. And I think that's a, a, a problem that happens in science today is there it almost becomes like so accepted that it becomes dogmatic. And now we've lost all creativity and we've lost all reasoning to potential other things that we've never discovered before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's, there's obvious, uh, there's, uh, there are examples and case studies of, of the opposite of that happening, of people having total remissions, but those are, are just sloughed off as like, ah, that's just an outlier. We don't know what happened, therefore... It's, it's not valid, mm-hmm. right? Just because we don't understand the mechanism doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Right. Uh, for example, I listened to a uh, researcher uh, the other day who was talking about uh, a ketogenic diet uh, helping people with schizophrenia. And he said that I can't publish this research and, and, and what I'm recognizing because I don't know the mechanism and no one will believe me until I can describe the mechanism. And he, and he said the standard of care for treating epilepsy is medication, although for over 100 years we've known that epilepsy is handled with a ketogenic diet. But it's not the standard of care because the mechanism isn't understood. Wow. 
So that's just one example, Mm -hmm. or maybe two examples, of how science works and how it actually has its limitations. Right. And this whole podcast is about getting you to recognize where these limitations are so that you can remove them from your life. Well, and I think just for myself, like with the carnivore, as the individual implementing this alternative, I don't care what the mechanism is. I care about the results. So exactly. if I know I'm feeling tremendously better on this, I don't really care in, in a sense, like what the mechanism is that just the result. Right. I, I agree a hundred percent. And that's, I can't describe every bit of the, the physiology behind it. I do understand it at a, at a decent level, but in, at the end of the day, the results are what matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's your quality of life. It's right? your quality of life. It's your future. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So let's that that brings us to point number two, which I think is is a, a really big uh, point, and that is accept full responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that go ahead. Well, he talked about you know checking himself out of the hospital, and I'm sure it took some doing to go against um, the doctor's desires there. And but he was accepting complete responsibility and ownership of his health. And he was going to research and figure out what his options were. Total, you know, switch of mindset. And I think he talked about going from defense to offense. Like he was out to find what was going to help his body get back into a healthy state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, accepting full responsibility is a complete shift of mindset. And it's not to be overlooked lightly because it's very easy when you don't feel well to stop making decisions for yourself and to stop thinking critically. Um, It's very easy to defer to the so-called experts because they're confident. And I, I, I think that's, that can be a very vulnerable and dangerous situation Mm -hmm. that we can put ourselves into. I know that when I don't feel well, I don't want to make decisions. I, I just want to be left alone, right? Yeah, and one thing that just coming to me, he talked about, do you remember he talked about like a terrain change? Like, mm. um, mm-hmm. what was the term? But basically it makes me think like getting out of the hospital in a, in a, one sense was a terrain change. Like it, it opened up his mind to, to different possibilities. Mm-hmm. I know they talked about it in the treatment Um but anyway, yeah. Yeah. So that that brings us to uh, point number three. And, and point number three is you must become the expert. Um, if you really want to become successful at any endeavor, uh, there's no shortcut. And what do you need to learn? You need to learn everything. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of work. I was listening to another um, uh, successful guy, Alex Hormozzi, talking today and he said, we totally underestimate what we think it's going to take. And he was using the example of like marketing and flyers. So um, he said, I tested these flyers and I thought, you know, this was going to be successful, but they bombed. And he's like, and, and, the, and he was speaking to somebody that recommended using flyers for marketing. And he said, uh, well, so how many, how many flyers did you send out? And he said, I sent out a thousand flyers. And he's like, I never test with less than 500,000. And he said, I get about a half a percent uh, that return on that. And he's like, oh my goodness. He didn't, he totally underestimated the volume of work that was involved Mm. to just get the result that 
this guy said was fantastic. And doesn't he also, Hermosi, speak about the um, the value of the data that failed? Like, you know, there's value sure. there too. Right? Sure, there's, just... there, there's value in the data that failed. That teaches mm-hmm. you a lesson. That tells you what right. doesn't work so you don't waste your time well, you're, there. And you're fine-tuning. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. But you must become the expert means that you can learn it too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday about um, about you know uh, rebuilding a motor, for instance. And uh, I, I said, you know, I've never done it. I've never pulled a motor out of a vehicle and uh, I want to learn how to do it. And he's like, yeah, I can help you. I can teach you how to do it. And I said, well, I'm sure you can, but I actually want to learn. I want to learn on my own in a way. Would it be faster if he taught me? Probably. But I kind of like working by myself and figuring things out because it's a, the discovery process helps create, build you. It helps make you. It helps shape you. And and you, he, Rick is becoming an expert in his disease, mm-hmm. believe it or not, because of the volume of work that he has done, and and the effort that he has put into it. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. anything else you want to add to that one? No, okay. I mean, you would. I guess you're. you're um, you would think with the disease that we, you would just trust that the doctors know all there is to know on it, but he's going to research exactly his specific situation and per- specifics to him. So he will become the expert in the disease in him, you know, so exactly. it's totally different. And and that's all he can think about, right? Mm-hmm. Like they go home, they have other patients, sure. they have a family. So it's not They're necessarily not to a fault of this, you know, of, yeah. of the medical field. It's just that you're going to own it because it's in you, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. So, um, and point number four is accept the challenge as your friend. And this, he, he describes in, in the, the uh, presentation about how, I don't know what the, the test was, but they, they looked at cancer victims or cancer, people that had cancer. And it was I, in a children's. Um, children, a children's cancer hospital. Okay. Mm -hmm. Describe it then. Well, I think, I don't know the exact numbers, but say um, there were 40 um, patients in this um, children's ward and they went in and they asked them to draw a picture of their cancer. And out of the 40, 38 drew a monster type of image. Two drew a friend, like a happy image. Like a smiley face. And the statistics, unfortunately, coming out of that ward were that 38 um, died and the two that saw cancer as their, quote, like friend and not this demonish, scary, they survived. So it was perspective, you might say, or I don't know where you want to. Well, I, I think this is the example of like, this is a challenge that you are faced with and a challenge only you can grow from that. So it's an opportunity. Nobody looks at cancer today. I mean, very few people do as an opportunity for personal development and growth. Mm-hmm. But Rick asked for this year, what, what was the word he used? Oh gosh, transcendent? Yeah, he wanted to he wanted to learn something new that caused him, that forced him to go beyond his own known limits. And Mm -hmm. he prayed to God to give him a challenge that would put him to beyond his own known limits. And, and, you know, it's amazing because uh, he delivered. (laughs) Yeah. He said he called the, uh, like, accountability group um, Mm. and said, well, I just got my assignment. And he told them what it was. And he said, what's yours? I can't even imagine how 
the other people in his group felt like <laughs> for his um, mindset around it, his acceptance of the challenge and yeah, had to be humbling, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, but you know, it just, it shows you that, you know, what's possible. Mm -hmm. What is possible is that you can, you can take a situation that most people have every right to look at as a tragedy, as a, as a horrific event, um, as something that you can garner all kinds of sympathy for, um, and he, and he t- looks at it as like, this is a tremendous opportunity mm-hmm. for growth, and I'm up for the challenge, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to see where this takes me. And um, yeah. And so uh, I know that when he was, you know, working with his trainer, uh, they actually went to, uh, he went to Phoenix, and they actually gave him a strength trainer. So here he is with pancreatic cancer and in excruciating pain. He's lost all this weight from the cancer. And they have him lifting weights, and and they and they said to Rick, they said, you know, you know, you've got to lift really heavy weights to stimulate your, you know, you know your your hormones. Your and uh, he's so he's lifting weights and he picks up this dumbbell and and the trainer said, not that one. He goes, you got to pick up the eighty pound dumbbell, and he's like, I've never lifted eighty pounds in my life in a dumbbell to do bent over rows, mm-hmm. and he said, do you want to exercise for your cancer? Or do you want to exercise to build your muscles? Mm. You can either exercise to build your cancer or you can exercise to build your muscles. Which one are you going to do? So he picked up the 80-pound the dumbbell and went to work. And um, it's amazing. It's amazing that uh, he accepted that challenge uh, in, in so many different aspects. Mm-hmm. It's um, huge inspiration. Huge inspiration. And that brings us to point number five. Which is um, don't ask, just do this is, I think, so good for him to share what it's like to be the, the patient and, and the family that's going through this and has this um, awful diagnosis. And he talked about so many people saying, hey, what can we do to help? And he was describing it. He said, it's kind of like being in the ocean with a storm and the waves are just crashing over you and you're gasping for your next breath and then there's this helicopter just hovering over you what can we do to help what can we do to help and he said I just don't know how to answer that and he was saying just do something and and he talked about he had you know different friends who were were generous and they came with finances and support and time came and you know brought a meal or drove his kids or did something and then he talked about a friend with a scarcity mindset. It was a best friend he'd, since childhood. They talked three times a week, called and told them he had this diagnosis. And the friend's like, oh, he just ruined my day. Thanks. And he hasn't heard from him since. That's like six to eight months ago. Yeah. And he's like, it's just crickets, you know? And so many people yeah. just go into that cricket mode because they don't know what to do. Right. And yes, when another, another one of his friends and he's like, are you going to come to my, my funeral? Mm. And he said, absolutely. I will be at your funeral. And he said, Hey, I'm alive right now. Why don't you come and visit me? Yeah. So that's, you really know, good. It, it's just such a, a shift. And, but yet he had this other generous friend, you know, that came over to his house and Rick's like, I have to leave, you know, tomorrow to go to Europe for this treatment. And he said, well, who's going with you? And he said, no one. He goes, well, I'm going with you then. 
and he dropped everything. This man owns his own company. He left his company. He left his family. He flew to Europe with him and paid for everything. Yeah. Paid for the flights, paid for the hotel, paid for the food. He 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 even took him to a, a play or something. A symphony. He? A symphony. Yeah, a symphony. And uh, he said he woke up in the middle of the night and and he was in, just in excruciating pain. And, and he looked and his friend was hovering over him, looking right at him. Like, yeah. 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 It's just a, He it, was it, in it with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't ask for somebody to do more or to be more generous than that. But. You know, sometimes we get paralyzed and we just, we, we just, we are the crickets because we don't know what to say or what to do. And, and my, my hope for you is to just do something, mm-hmm. just, just, you know, whatever pops into your head that you think could be a blessing for somebody, do it. Yeah. Don't put it off. You know, this just came to me. Um, my, you went to the seminar where Rick spoke years ago and I wasn't there, but you came home all excited because Rick had presented about creating a family placemat. And it was, you kept it at the dinner table and they talked about how important family dinner time was. And we did this, we created it with our family and we brainstormed our values and we put them down and put it on this placemat. And the kids went and looked up what the Lombardi family crest was. And it just struck me that um, didn't it translate that the ruin will leave you unafraid? The ruin will strike you unafraid, and how appropriate! And our kids will send that back and forth to each other when they are going through something hard. And um, so, Rick, you know, we thank you for impacting our family and inspiring our family so many years ago, and that's carried through through year decades um with us and um so i hope his story i know it will inspire others and so we'll get that posted yeah well that's all we have time for for this week's edition of your weekly uh limitless life network podcast uh be sure to tune in each and every week so you can stay connected be inspired and keep moving toward your best life by stripping away your limitations and we will see you back next week thank you for listening